Should we do a should we do a fanfare to to go out like a you know I don't know like the Bond theme or what it what's that What do you mean? Well, you know, was it? Uh, just kidding, that's the wrong one. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Amanda. And this is Scenes from a Marriage, a movie podcast in which we, as a married couple, watch movies and talk about them, give our unique perspectives. Unique? Okay, I'll stop. (laughs) Thanks for coming back. Amanda, I have an idea for a fun game we can play. Okay. Do you want to play? Of course. I love games. Okay. The game is we take turns naming things that we think about or iconic things from the James Bond series, things that are hallmarks of James Bond. Right? Okay. You, you ready? Okay. I, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Let's give it a try. Okay. Bond. James Bond. Shaken, not stirred. Money Penny. All the girls everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Blonde women. Aston Martins. Um, black suits. Q and his gadgets. Um, driving scenes that are not believable. <laughs> <laughs> the Walther PPK pistol. Oh man, you you're good at this, obviously. Um, I know I said girls, but just any time that he's able to see a woman somewhere, then he goes off course. So these things and many more are entrenched in our consciousness probably you would not even necessarily have had to have seen any of the movies in the james bond franchise in order to know some of these things exist and be able to quote some of these lines right right so the greatest or eh, let's say longest running american film franchise hits its golden age (laughs) in goldfinger uh, which is the third film in the James Bond series, which now spans 25 films, soon to be, well, soon to be 25 once No Time to Die finally gets released. Mm-hmm. The Goldfinger finds Bond fully formed, indulging in all of the signature beats, motifs, and tropes that mark these movies for what they are, many of which we just described. Uh, one of the things we didn't mention was the iconic intro in which Bond turns oh. to the camera and fires into it, prompting a gelatinous looking fountain or not fountain, but <laughs> waterfall of blood to blood, yeah. engulf the screen. Uh, also usually a kind of boozy theme song played over some abstract representation of the body of a woman. And in the center of it all, we have Bond himself in the case of Goldfinger 
Sir Sean Connery, may he rest in peace. R.I.P. We miss you already. So as you've no doubt surmised, the choice for this episode is a memorial to the recent passing of Sean Connery. I mean, I guess for the same reason that the Alamo Draft House was playing Goldfinger this weekend, we were able to catch a screening. Spontaneously. It was a great, it was a great one. Once again, nice to be back in the cinema, despite all of the craziness and... And especially the, the Alamo. We've missed that place. Especially the Alamo. It was really nice to be back. Yeah, they did a really great job. Everything spaced out. They had lids safety, on drinks. <laughs> a lot of safety features. Uh-huh. So I think we felt really, uh, we felt just fine about about yeah. going in there and uh, buffer seats. Yeah, buffer seats mm-hmm. exactly. Uh, so Connery, obviously, best known for playing Bond, and to many people, inseparable from that character, and widely thought of as the best and most iconic of all the actors who played James Bond. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's, uh, you know, I guess that's as good a place as any to start with Connery. Uh, and we have now seen the first three Bond movies, you mm-hmm. and I. Yeah. All featuring Connery as Bond. So what's your impression of him in the role? And what is your maybe impression of him more broadly as an actor? Well, uh, playing James Bond, I mean, he's very clever. And he's kind of just, um, I don't know how to describe, uh, casual. He. It's like everything just comes so naturally to him. And he's he's pretty full of himself when it comes to women. Obviously, I would notice that because I am a woman. But um, I I just I get a kick out of that because no matter where he goes, he's always going to find a woman. Um, But then it's like he uh, if it doesn't work out, he's like, "Eh." (laughs) (laughs) it's always like that there. And. I've no I noticed in Goldfinger they're uh they're very dispensable or at least the first two. I don't know are these spoilers? Just kidding. But um I always I ask think people this. know there's a revolving door of <laughs> Why do I always what ask? is known as Bond girls. <laughs> yes, Bond girls. When we have that gold bond term in our lexicon. Girl, okay. Um <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> you're right, aren't you? <laughs> on this one. Um in but, more ways than one. But yeah, he's um yeah, he's clever. Um and then but his role, what you mean or him as an actor, Sean Connery. Well, so we have the the character of Bond, right? Who's mm-hmm. been carried through these this series by a number of actors, most recently by Daniel Craig. Mm-hmm. And but you know, so Connery being the first to portray him on the screen got a chance to, in some sense, define what that role was going to be. And so everybody coming in his wake, playing that character, is using him as a referent in some way, whether they're trying to copy something that he did or whether they're trying to distance themselves from it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, so we have, like you say, on the page, the suave, uncaring, womanizing guy who, you know, secret agent, gentleman, so they say, mm-hmm. uh, who for whom everything always kind of works out. But what do you think uh, Connery brings to that role or that performance? 
I don't know. Because so I I watched these movies for the first time. I mean, with you. So I watched the newer James Bond movies before watching these. Right. And I really appreciate Sean Connery playing this role. Um, I I actually, I mean, I like him better than Daniel Craig, just because I feel like more so with, um, with Daniel Craig playing James Bond, it just seems like the craziest things can happen and he makes it out alive. But then in the first three movies that I watched with you, the James Bond ones, I I feel like, and maybe even more so in Goldfinger when there's a scene with the laser, I just feel like they're not making it seem like he can survive super incredible things. Like he's still a human, but he just talks his way out of things. He brings a sense of, uh, I don't like it. it's just like kind of playfulness, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I, I really enjoyed that. Like the scene where he was in, um, he was in the jail in Goldfinger's jail. Oh, with the one where he's just sitting there with the guard. Oh no, he goes back and forth from <laughs> the window. He goes back that was and pre- forth a few times in waves, and uh-huh. it was just really silly. And I appreciate his silliness. You know, it's funny because what I almost hear you saying is that Connery's Bond comes across to you in some way more grounded than Craig's. I think so. I mean, he he feels more like a real person to me. Like, I mean, I know he's a secret agent. But if you just saw him out, then yeah, he'd be like a gentleman just at a club or something, you know. It's fascinating because I feel like the Craig movies have this, I won't say postmodern, but post Jason Bourne anyway, Mm -hmm. kind of um, reputation for being more relatively grounded than the places that the series went in between. But of course, there are many, many movies from the Roger Moore era and the Brosnan era that got even more outlandish than what we've witnessed in the comparatively humble beginnings of these uh, these first three um, Connery bonds. But it, it's fascinating to hear you say that you that you um, read him as more more realistic in some way. But there is something to the fact that our action heroes have become less and less realistic over time. Yeah. And the people that we think, like if you look at, it's kind of funny. Mission Impossible. Maybe a little bit quaint to us mm-hmm. because, you know, if you, like Connery obviously in Bond was, you know, a sex symbol. Mm-hmm. But when you see him like walking around without his shirt or with like in, in his little, um, in his little swim shorts. And yeah. He, <laughs> what well, even was I that mean, one he looks scene? like, yeah. he, but he just looks like a dude. Yeah. Like he, I mean, maybe a little bit better built or a little bit more like poise. You know, he's got that cleft chin. He's a handsome guy, mm-hmm. but you know, he doesn't look like Chris Hemsworth, you know, yeah. absolutely like shredded, you know, kind of that sort of yeah, thing he, that is like our our model now for what an action hero is supposed to look like. He's just a regular James. <laughs> a, a, a James Doe, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, but he's and um, yeah, he definitely wasn't appealing in that little romper bathrobe that he was wearing at the pool. Really? Cause I kind of like that outfit. No, <laughs> please don't get one. Please don't. <laughs> See what people don't realize is that, uh, ultra manly Sean Connery was wearing a romp him, and then was it? It was gonna... a romp him. He brought it back. He brought we're it gonna, back. We're gonna bring the romp him back. Romp him. 
I mean, it, it hasn't really had time to leave. So it, it's, I guess it's still with us. Um, so that, but, but so I, like me, you know, you being a child of the modern age, none of us, neither of us were alive in the early sixties when these movies were coming out. Correct. Do you have, who's your model for James Bond? Cause you, you probably the first Bond you saw wouldn't have been one of the older ones, right? No, I mean, I don't, would it be Daniel Craig? Who was before him? Pierce Brosnan. I, I don't even know if I've seen those movies. Who mm-hmm. am I? Well, it, it's, it's, you know, again, this is, I, I feel like we, when the Bond movies came on Amazon Prime, we started watching through them and I mm-hmm. wasn't sure how far we were going to get. We didn't get very far <laughs> because they removed them mm-hmm. after we got through From Russia With Love, which is only the second movie. And we saw, wait, Dr. No is the first one? Dr. No is the first. Okay. So that was going to be, in some way, my journey and education through the series, I was hoping, because I've only seen probably fewer than 10 of the of the Bond films. It's not a franchise that I'm particularly well-versed in. So you've seen more Godzilla than James Bond? Almost definitely, yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Just for reference. <laughs> yeah, no, for a, more of a Godzilla guy. Yeah. Okay, so like I said, we watched the first two movies and then so after, you know, following in their footsteps comes Goldfinger, which again is considered by many to be maybe the apex of the uh, the early era of Bond movies. I looked it up earlier and it is the top rated Bond movie on Rotten Tomatoes and the second highest rated Bond on Letterboxd. So it clearly has become in some way, maybe the template or the epitome, if you will. Of, Out of all James Bond movies, what, even yes, the newest ones? Even the newest ones. I mean, I might have to agree. I really enjoyed this one. All right. So let's get into uh, talking about this film. And to do that, we need to talk about uh, what the movie is 
and what happens. So I can help you with that. Can you? <laughs> I can. Oh, excellent. Because I was hoping that someone would explain the plot to me. Prim? <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> She's not even in here. All right. Let's see if I can. I, need, I really need to get a fanfare for this part. I need like a little musical cue that brings us into this segment. Amanda explains the plot. We'll work on that. You work on that. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. Um. So this movie starts out. Um. So it's there's Bond. He's he's got a job. Actually, he was on vacation. Um. He was on vacation, wasn't he? At the pool. When you are on vacation, do you swim around in a scuba oh, suit with a duck on your head? Why did Why did I not start with that? Why was he on vacation? Okay, sorry, sorry, y'all. I'm not doing a very good job of this. Yeah, actually, I really did like the opening scene with the duck. So basically, he comes in to a place in Latin America, and he um sets off a bomb. And then, of course, there's a girl afterwards that he has to take care of business. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, he bombs the place because there's illegal stuff happening. And then, um, so he's got a new job later on, and that is to take care of another person that's doing illegal things. Um, and his name is Goldfinger. And that's the title. That's title the title. Yeah. The end. Kidding. So he does his bond thing where he tries to take down this person, Goldfinger. He learns about um his um his plan to take over gold money stuff. And he also takes his girl. And then um as you do. As as you do. And then, so basically, you know, the movie is him trying to not get killed and figuring out information and giving it to his people and. Right. MI6, the British intelligence. Yep. British intelligence and driving in lots of cars. Sorry, one car. Um, and he. What does he do? He, of course, has to um, disassemble a bomb. Is that the right word? Disassemble. Let's say disarm. <laughs> disarm a bomb. Oh, I'm, okay. And he has to fall in love with a girl that happens to be in the movie. And then the end. Kind of in that order. I, I really, I didn't want to give away a lot of details. In no, my, no, no, that's fine. Uh, I didn't want to be like a trailer. Well, I I might have some questions for you about things that did happen in the movie. Okay. Like, for, since you know the plot. For, for example, why does Goldfinger agree to let Bond live? Oh, because he knows about Operation Grand Slam, or he leads him on to believe that. But then he said that another agent will just take his place. And they know all the information. Actually, I don't know why he didn't kill him, but that's all I got from it. Yeah. Well, this isn't a test. I was just curious as to oh. <laughs> what your what your uh, take on that. I was I, trying to work it out during the movie, but. Because mm-hmm. it has to be convincing enough for Goldfinger to, you know, let him go. Well, that's why. Well, he keeps him with him, but. 
Well, the reason why he lets him go is because he knows that the show must go on and that the movie needs to continue. That's why. <laughs> no, well, so, because then in the next bit, you know, he's at the complex and the guys who are surveilling Bond see that he's, they think that he's doing fine. Yeah. And so he seems like he's really not in any danger. Right. So that basically buys Goldfinger time so that the, you know, the other members of these, this organization don't swarm him essentially. So that's why he kept him alive. I guess it seems a little flimsy, but maybe it was, I I was wondering, cause what did he say? Uh, what do you intend to do with me? And he says, Oh, so that it's right. And this is like the one of the most famous lines in all of, of Bond. It, Bond says, "Do you expect me to talk?" Do you expect? And he says, "What does he say?" No, Mister Bond, I expect you to die. <laughs> I I did like that was a that was the nerve wracking scene, but I obviously knew he wasn't going to die. But I wondered, how are you going to get yourself out of this one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he what, like and, he's and it is kind of cut like as you mentioned kind of interesting that he uses his wits mm-hmm. and not brute strength or not even gadgets or not a deuce ex machina with somebody suddenly coming in and saving the day that he, you know, he, he manages to talk the guy down essentially. And that's which, why I, I was like, well, that seems pretty, I mean, you could say realistic, but not really. Cause no, if there's a bad guy, they're just going to kill them. But I mean, as realistic as you can get for a scene in which, you know, he's using an industrial laser to slowly <laughs> slice through a table until it gets to Bond's most vulnerable spot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he needs that spot. Uh, <laughs> um, so that might be a, a good enough place for me to ask. Cause I wanted to, to kind of probe you further on this. Uh, what did you think of the villain, Art Goldfinger? Bond villains may be some of the most archetypal of all of the cinema bad guys. And I think they play a part in shaping the way that we even think about the concept of what a movie villain is. Mm -hmm. So how does Goldfinger fit into the stereotypes of this kind of character or how does he maybe differ? Well, I I thought that I usually think that villains, I mean, they just, they want to get rid of people. They want to like make things explode, do stuff like that. (laughs) But actually, Goldfinger was he was quite clever with his plan um and I really liked his that scene where he had his little model come up out of the floor oh, yeah. and he closed the windows <laughs> I, was, I was like oh it's very theatrical <laughs> it really was and um he when he explained his plan to everyone but I mean it was a it was a plan that was pretty clever he was going to make the gold radioactive so that everyone would want his gold. I mean, so it would be more valuable instead of like stealing the money or blowing it up. I mean, he, you know, so I was like, Oh, that's, that's interesting. That's a new thing. So. Yeah. And that's actually a tidbit that I read since we're both picking up tidbits, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, doing a little bit of due diligence before we came on this, uh, apparently in the novel and you know, these, uh, the James Bond character is based on the books by a guy called Ian Fleming, who wrote the Bond books. And in Goldfinger, the plan is to steal the gold from Fort Knox. Oh, okay. And But in the movie, Bond challenges him and says, there's no way you're going to be able to move that much gold, you know, before the, you know, army and National Guard, like, swipe, you know, swoop in and, mm-hmm. and, and 
foil your plan. So then he comes up with a different plan. I mean, not, he's already got the plan, but I'm just saying, is it where he says, oh, okay, I'm going to radiate the gold instead because that's more, uh, maybe it's uh, maybe it's more logistically uh, feasible. But I thought that was interesting that they, they oh, chose that. Oh, I didn't that. realize that he had changed his plan. No, 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 no. That was his plan the whole time. I'm just saying from the novel, they changed it. Oh, but, and okay. they kind of, they even hang a little bit of a, uh, a lampshade on it to, because Bond specifically calls out the um, logistical impossibility of his plan if he when he thought that the plan was to steal the gold. But yeah, I can't remember the other villains from the other... Maybe you need to refresh us. Well, I'm not even saying that I necessarily am that familiar with a lot of the Bond villains. I mean, the the one that people always talk about is Blofield, who is, a like, I think, the head of Spectre. He's played in... The most recent Spectre. Does he have a by, cat, a white cat? Is that Yes. Oh, okay. That's the guy. All I remember is the cat. I mostly just mean like, for example, you know, you would expect a villain in Goldfinger's position when he has Bond at his disposal to, for example, monologue until something could go wrong, right? <laughs> or, you know, the, so I, I like, I, I do think you're right. He is a little bit more of an intelligent character. I especially like the part, and this maybe mirrors Bond's costume change in the beginning. I like the fact that he is prepared at this raid on Fort Knox with a U.S. military uniform, which he he sheds his uh, outer clothes. And he's got a military, and he, and he uses that to buy his way out of that situation. I thought that he took that from somebody else there, but he had that. Wow, he was ready. I mean, I, am I did I did I misread that scene? I thought that was I thought he already had that with him. I mean, he probably he probably did. I there was so much going on. I was just like, wow, he's. I mean, what are, what were the chances of him finding a, a soldier that was built like him? Oh, that's true. <laughs> he, it was pretty funny <laughs> that he just shot them all in the back. Um, but, oh, speaking of the soldiers, and I was telling you earlier, one of my favorite scenes was when everybody pretended to pass out, which I didn't realize they were using fake um, invisible gas. Obviously, Once again, I remind our listeners that this is a spoiler oh. podcast. <laughs> spoiler <laughs> alert. Um, but I, and as I was watching that, I was thinking about the actors having to, you know, pretend to fall down. And it was very dramatic and hilarious. And I, I loved the montage. It was pretty funny. And it almost made me think they were just, because it went on for a while. Oh, it made, made me think so they were just things. like showing off the fact that they had all these extras that could they could you know, fall down. Yeah, they could do a domino thing one by yeah. one or, you know. Uh, They're just like rag dolls yeah. falling down. <laughs> <laughs> it was like one of those old epics where they're like, it's a cast of thousands. You know? And they have, but it's just all, all the people in the military uniforms falling over. It made me think of, you know, those dolls that stand up straight and then you press the button and then they just collapse. You know what I'm talking about? A rag doll? No, it's it's like a little plastic or a little wooden doll you press it and then it just collapses you've never seen it it makes sense to me i just i can't uh, immediately conjure a concrete image i'll i'll show you later well i'll look it up um <laughs> um what was what was your favorite scene in the movie i really did like the i, li- I liked the opening with the duck with the duck it just seemed like a cool little spy thing like a mini you know miniature little like episode of a of another bond mission and oh what about in that first part did you notice it made me think of something that 
or a picture that you've taken in the past when he saw his attacker come up on him. Oh, yeah, that was kind of neat. They they zoomed in on the eye. Well, because that, that's and so you're, this is it's a good thing for you to point out. And it's that along with the the army thing, because I was going to ask you if there were any particular like filmmaking choices, like shots or, you know, edits that stood out to you. And maybe those were a couple. One would be the, the he sees the reflection of his attacker in the eye. Of yeah, the I loved that. And also I love his. I love his one liners, like when the guy was in the bathtub and he said, shocking. You know, you might be talking me into when we get to the when we get to, talk, to, to the rating part of this, you might be talking me into giving this more like stars or whatever we're going to use than I would have normally given it because I feel like you're painting it in a really positive light. I thought that that one liner was particularly lame, the I, shocking one. <laughs> but that's why it's so funny because it it's so it's like it absolutely fits in that place that it's like, why wouldn't you say, I don't know. It was just like, I had, I had this complaint about the last movie from Russia with love where he, he says about the woman, she got her kicks and it's because like, I don't know. She had like, uh, she had like knives in her shoes or something, but it didn't make sense with what had happened to her. And I was like, I don't know. I, sometimes I feel like these things are pretty lazy. He said another Line in the movie. I can't remember. Get a better one later. It was better than shocking. Yeah, I can't remember what it was. But I mean, it kind of makes me think of like Spider-Man's kind of comebacks or lines. It's very uh, corny. Well, and that brings me to another point that I was thinking about. By the time we finished this movie, I, I realized these movies are comedies. Yeah, it, fe- it felt like it at least. Like, I don't know. I just feel like it's supposed to be like a, you know, an action movie or like a thriller, like a spy. But it, it's it's so like they're going for laughs. They have to be right with the yeah. as lame as those laughs sometimes are. It doesn't seem like there could be any other explanation. Oh, and like when he wakes up and then she says, my name is Pussy Galore. Oh, yeah. And he, and he said, like, I must be dreaming. We're not going to get through this podcast without both of us imitating a Sean Connery accent. We're going to have to try I can't do that. I must be dreaming. You're you're better at that. You're the man now, dog. (laughs) When did he say that? (laughs) That's a different Sean Connery. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. God, we're going to get into it. I love that movie. We'll we'll get to that. (laughs) Um, But no, that that was was a funny line. Well, good. And that's the thing You, you can't name a character pussy galore and not think you're going to get laughs. Yeah. Right. You can't, you're, like, you're so not outrageous. serious when you're it's doing outrageous. that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, that's, that's the other thing I was going to say. Actually, I, I must've skipped over that in the, uh, in my opening, I had written down uh, multiple bond girls, bend bond and die. One beds him and lives. And one is named after the body part. She is most intended to represent. Yeah. <laughs> and Oh, when he says, uh, he appealed to her maternal instinct. Bond says that about pussy galore. Uh huh. Yeah. Anyway, I just I thought that was funny, but um, and also her little cadets or like her little, and they all walk out. It's such a sixties aesthetic, it, isn't it? <laughs> they, so great. And their little jumpsuits. They come and their like, wigs, probably. Probably. Yeah, I was like, yeah. You'd think Guy Hamilton was Hitchcock with the way he littered this movie with blondes. <laughs> well, that's. And that's, I was going to ask you to, so, okay, my favorite scene, right? Either the opening or it has to be, you know, the iconic 
uh, interrogation scene where Bond's on the table. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a good scene. And I, 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 I like some of the in-between stuff. Like, I like that he, I like the way he talks to Q when Q's trying to show him the car. Oh, and he yeah. is, you know, telling, you know, bring it back in one piece this time. Uh, yeah, right. Oh, what was your favorite feature on the car? There were well, so many different features on it. There were a lot of features, and most of them got used in the scene where he tries to escape with the other Masterson girl um, after they've uh, she's tried to assassinate Goldfinger. I think all of them got used, didn't they? The one that pays off the best is the ejection seat. That was the best. That was the best one. It's just funny. It was great. The way that, the way that goes. Don't press the red button unless you have a stranger in your passenger seat. Your favorite scene, surely, was the scene in which they played golf. Oh, I loved that one. No, no, but I, I enjoyed that scene because I was wondering how is he, how is he going to get through this, and I was trying to figure out why it mattered. What and actually, why did that matter? Like, how did he win at the end? He switched the ball to what though? I think there's a rule, and here I'm going to show my ignorance of golf as well as my ignorance of I James don't Bond. Know about golf. What I what I glean from the scene is that you have to play the ball, the same ball, all the way through. Like, and so what happened was, you know, the balls got switched mm-hmm. in the rough. Yeah, and because odd job cheated. Well, odd job cheated, and so Bond counter cheated. Yeah, like odd job drops the same ball. In another place, so that, <laughs> through his pant leg, that so that Goldfinger can find it. Bond later makes a switch, palms one ball and gives him the other ball, therefore proving at the end that he didn't play the right ball in the rough, which meant that that game was invalid essentially. Oh, and can we talk about how the first girl died in the beginning? Another one of the really iconic moments. Yeah, that was crazy. I didn't understand why. I mean, I didn't know that you could die from being painted i mean i guess makes sense i think it's a real thing at least to some extent like um that skin suffocation is possible like that's why he said leaving a little spot on the neck is that's why he looked at her neck right maybe that if you totally cover all your skin your skin can't breathe well she wasn't yeah so i didn't i didn't look into that i did look into whether or not it was possible to kill somebody with a hat oh (laughs) (laughs) no well for and again spoilers here folks for someone to die by being sucked out of a airplane window oh because he warns her earlier on that if she fires the gun in the plane it will depressurize the cabin and you know they'll the plane will go down so i thought that that might have been an exaggeration and what i learned was It is in the sense that a bullet would probably not be a large enough hole to depressurize the cabin and cause that kind of a of an issue. But I think in the in the part where Goldfinger goes out, um, it's the window that breaks, the whole window shatters. Mm -hmm. I think that would be a large enough because I actually looked in. There was a news story. I can't remember how long ago where a passenger on Southwest had that happen to them. What? They shot a gun? Well, they didn't shoot a gun, but some kind of engine malfunction caused debris to break the passenger window and the passenger seated next to the window was sucked out halfway. Oh, my goodness. Um, and, uh, you know, she died from it. So um, probably, given his girth, Goldfinger would not have totally exited the aircraft. I was wondering how... it is possible how... that he would have... Uh, yeah. It would, possibly he could have been killed. I thought that 
he was actually going to be sucked through the window and then he would block the window and then they would, he would just stay there. His body would so that they could. But my thinking was, okay, he got sucked out. So if they're saying that the, that the pressure is that different, how is it that Bond and. Pussy galore. We can call her PG. <laughs> we, the way that he says it with his accent is like, pushy. It's, it's very uncomfortable. It is. Um, but, they, but apparently, in, again, in that instance, only the woman who was next to the window, you know, experienced that. So I guess maybe that's a slightly more uh, believable scene than I had thought when I was watching it. So everyone, don't shoot a gun in a plane. And also, we've learned in the past don't shoot a gun into the air because the bullet can drop down and kill you, right? That's right. That's right. I didn't think that was possible, but you told me It's much more dangerous for you to fire a gun straight up in the air Mm -hmm. than it is for you to drop a penny off the Empire State Building. Mm, Wow. Yeah, celebratory shots. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. So one of the first things that you told me when we left the theater, and you mentioned it already, was how expendable the girls seemed. Yeah. Talk, talk to me about your thoughts on the uh, the the way the women are treated. So, I I feel like in the past two movies, um, didn't he stick with one girl and she kind of stayed with him the whole time? I think in yeah, and from Russia with Love, it was uh, it was more that way. So, <laughs> I was expecting maybe like the girl in the beginning to stick with him and then when she was killed within the first like few hour, minutes or hours whatever of being with him i was like what and then i when it her sister appeared later on i was like oh cool like it's her sister defend and then like she was only with him for yeah like not a very long time probably minutes they didn't even have time to get down to business exactly i know wow and um <laughs> shame um and then she was killed and i was yeah i was kind of i was a little offended i mean it seemed a little cold didn't it for, it did for both sisters to yeah. go yeah that so i i was i was yeah i was a little disappointed with that but yeah i didn't i didn't expect pg to happen she was not <laughs> pg <laughs> well the movie's pg <laughs> uh but i mean i'm i'm glad that they ended up together in the end because she, uh, she's BA. She's a, she can handle herself. Yeah. Which is funny that they kind of try to make her the one who I won't, I won't say rebuffs bond, but who is like a, you know, a capable professional despite having that ridiculous name. Yeah. Maybe it's a boy named Sue kind of situation. Who knows that uh, <laughs> I was impressed that she, she was able to um, last that long without him getting to her. But, you know, everyone, everyone falls into his little schemes. Well, we have to maybe address that scene in the barn, which is, again, very uncomfortable. And I feel like basically Bond's a rapist. He is. Roll, roll, roll and say hey. (laughs) That's what they were doing. Well, I, you know, it's, I, I expected that to be the pun that he was going to come out with. I, there might even be, I, I, I bet a, a, um, a person out there, if you're listening, who is more, uh, is more well-versed on Bond than I am, could probably tell me if that pun is made at some point during this two weeks. Because I feel like it is, that he says something about a roll in the hay. Roll in the hay. Wait, didn't he say that 
uh, maybe I'm, maybe have we already watched and I just forgot. I feel like uh, I feel like it seems very familiar. Maybe we're just thinking of Young Frankenstein. But like the fact that he essentially seems like he's forcing himself he, on her. Yeah, totally. And the fact that she seems you know cool with it or whatever. Uh, that again, yeah, the sexual politics obviously of these movies are have always been a problem, and it's been less. Maybe maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't called out as much in the day, or maybe it wasn't. We just I just didn't. You know, I wasn't around mm-hmm. to see it. But maybe he thought she could handle herself, and that she would say "uncle" if if she wanted him to stop. Well, it is interesting to me, though, because people, you know, the, the, the uh, I don't know the mantra, but I think you, people say, or they say that. XOXO. <laughs> they say that uh, women want to get with him and men want to be him. Um, you know, it, it, it's like a, you know, obviously Bond in some ways, a, a, like a male power fantasy, but. Yeah, he's very confident. And maybe that's one thing that kind of bugs me about him is that he's super confident and who he is, and he doesn't even think that he's not desirable. Like, and it, like you said, like it's not like he's jacked and all this stuff. It's maybe it's just his confidence and his wits and everything. But also that he's a super spy with tons of cool weapons. And okay, well, know, there's that. But there's that. It's just, you know, I feel he comes into every situation looking at the girl like. You know you're gonna sleep with me, uh, you know? <laughs> which, which I find pretty off-putting. Yeah, but like these, these these movies have made us kind of buy it for the last sixty years or so. Man, it's a long time. Yeah, you know what scene I actually enjoyed though. This is completely sounds like off. most of them. Well, I did really enjoy a lot of them, but I, I mean, you know, I love a good fight scene, mm-hmm. but I liked. Uh, the scene with him and Odd Job when they were in the um, in the safe, and it's just man, him using his hat was just so funny to me. Like I know they it must have, and I was like, what's the secret? But what it had like razor sharp edges or something? I don't know because it cut off the statue's head. I guess, which surprised me because when he when he throws it at Masterson, the the mm-hmm. sister. I was like, she just went down, but I thought, oh, well, her head's still on. So yeah. maybe the maybe the hat doesn't always, you know, slice you, but she, I mean, she was dead. She she did. Yeah. How could it not slice through her, but it sliced through Stan? I don't know. Maybe, oh, because it- That'll get it, you an R rating, probably. What? If you, if you show oh, his head getting <laughs> okay, well, that's, taken off. He was like, I'll just throw it a little less hard than the last one. Um, But I yeah, I enjoyed that scene. And I mean, of course, you knew that he was going to go for um, the electrocution like he was going to do that. But it it was just it was fun to watch because you could tell that he was he was a strong dude. And also um, <laughs> when he knocked him out and he or Goldfinger killed the girl in the very beginning and he just like takes his hand and you see the shadow and him just like kidding him. That was pretty funny because mm-hmm. he just kind of karate chopped him. Yeah, it's true. And that's another thing. I mean, so maybe that's why people hold this movie in such high regard because I feel like it has so many different elements that have really lived on that people remember. Odd job being one of them. Now, my I guess I'll, I'll just volunteer this. 
my introduction to James Bond, as was, I think, for many people my age, was GoldenEye 007 on the N64. That video game was a massive hit, Mm -hmm. and most of us spent countless hours playing the multiplayer where, you know, you are the, the first person and you have all the different guns and arsenal and you can be all these different characters. And so infamously, there are two characters in the game that are different sizes from the other characters. One of them is Jaws, who is a character who comes in later in the Bond mythos and uh, Moonraker is a giant guy. Um, but the there, there's Oddjob is a selectable character in go- the GoldenEye game. And Oddjob is short. And it's generally considered poor form to play as Oddjob because he's so much harder to hit. Like you have to aim your gun down instead of just aiming it oh. in, ahead of you. So does he have a top hat though? He's got a hat. Yeah. Oh, okay. So all the all the GoldenEye players will uh, know the infamy that is Oddjob, and but he got to start here. So that's how you know Oddjob. Yes, well, that's how I know about a lot of things, James Bond. Honestly. Because again, I hadn't watched that many of the movies, as as I said. I don't even know. Well, actually, you know what? Weirdly enough, I think the first Bond movie I ever saw might have been The World Is Not Enough, which was one of the uh, Brosnan Bonds in the 90s. We'll have to watch through all of these. Maybe we can we can find some. Does anybody have any we can borrow? <laughs> yeah, you may have one of those box sets. Yeah. So it'll be a long what yeah, we got a lot of marathons to do at this point because we still got Godzilla ahead oh, of us. Oh, we do, yeah. Um, and also in the at or I mean near the end when he's trying to disarm the bomb. I love the part when he comes in and he just flips it off because you're like, what is he gonna pull? Which um which wire is he gonna pull? Oh yeah, yeah. And not only does he just flip it off, but the timer then reads 007. So like I said. It's a comedy. <laughs> it's I love, basically a cartoon. I love those things about the movies, though. Well, it's just surprising to me that a movie that is this kind of campy and silly is still one of the more grounded installments in the franchise. The fact that it's going to go just off the rails at some point and that it's not already is... Uh, I don't know how much I'm going to enjoy this marathon if we end up watching them all because I'm already, I already have mixed feelings about it. Go on. Well, I mean, none of these have movies have really been a, a, like a home run for me. Like Dr. No is pretty good. Like it's interesting kind of, it's almost quaint at this point as a, as an introduction to the series. And it has a lot of scenes that kind of drag and, from Russia with Love is usually considered by Bond fans to be one of the better ones and one of the more grounded like spy movies. But even it's pretty ridiculous. I mean, compared to newer movies, um, not necessarily James Bond movies, you still would say that you don't, are you like these less? But can you rephrase that? I know. <laughs> not very good at phrasing things. I'm saying maybe... For me, I enjoy it more because it's an older movie and I appreciate it more than the newer movie, like even just superhero movies or spy movies where it's like, oh, wow, incredible effects. But then it kind of just gets to the point like, okay, and I I know you like the Mission Impossible movie. I mean, I do. And I I grew up 
I think I watched, which one is it where he, it starts out where he's climbing. Mission Impossible 2. Yeah, that one. I like, I think that was the first Mission Impossible that I've seen. And we watched that one a lot. Like we had it on VHS and just a lot of the stunts that uh, he pulls. It's just, it's not believable. And maybe I appreciate these movies. They're, they seem more believable kind of um, because they're the, like they're less fantastic or the stakes aren't as high Yeah, because they don't have as many effects or they didn't have access to as much. I mean, I know the mission impossible Two was still an older movie, but it's not really that old. It's turn of the century. Well, yeah, it's certainly not old the same way that Goldfinger or Dr. No is old. Well, yeah, not that kind of, I mean, when was mission impossible Two? Um, when did it come out? What year? Well, that's why I couldn't, I didn't have it on, uh, on hand, but I think it was either, I want to say it was either like, it was early 2000s. Like was right? it in the 2000s? Let's see. 2000, year 2000. Oh, wow. It yeah. was in 2000. Okay. I mean, I, I enjoyed that one more than the most recent one, just because there's so many scenes that are so fast paced and it's based on like the fight scenes and the incredible, just, I mean, all of it. And I liked that there were more scenes here where, like we talked about, you could see how he's kind of crafty or clever and witty. And there would be conversations that he would have. Like, and I mean, even with the golf scene, yeah, I, I don't enjoy golf, but it was just fun to see where that was going to go. Like you said, it's a little bit more playful mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit less intense than some of the newer ones. Yeah. And then it's like, Something like him being in um, the cell downstairs and him like using uh, like him trying to intrigue the guard um, walking back and forth. And then it's like what he like climbs up on the ceiling and then he jumps on him. Like it's a lark. Yeah. It's, It's kind of I feel like this this kind of feeling existed a lot in U.S. movies in the seven or excuse me in the 60s. Like it almost feels a little bit like uh, like the Great Escape or something like that, where you know you're you're dealing with life and death situations, but you're dealing with it in a very kind of casual way. You're not trying to make the audience worry about it. You just want them to have a good time with it. Yeah, and maybe that's why I enjoy it because I hate being anxious watching movies. So there we have it. That's probably why I enjoyed it. Well, you know, I enjoy older movies quite often. Yeah, I do. I mean, I do too. What I and I, I so there is there is a there is an enjoyability to the quaintness of it relative to what our like action and spy movies are like now. Mm-hmm. I think what keeps me at arm's length about it, A, is the fact that I don't find these movies very interesting to look at. Uh, in the same way, well, not in the same way, but kind of the way that I don't find Marvel movies interesting to look at. These uh, the James Bond movies now that we we have talked and maybe I'm maybe I'm overstating my case. We have talked about a couple of interesting shots already that we that we liked uh, visually, but I feel like almost everything is shot in medium. It's usually I don't feel like there's a lot of uh, creative like blocking or the lighting. Generally speaking, seems very like just like one note, like it's very kind of flat. And so the the look of these of these films. Uh, I, I don't find particularly interesting. And so it doesn't give me a lot to to do with that. And then, you know, James Bond is 
at least in most of these movies, not so much a character as a something that you can project onto. You know, he's a symbol of something or other, you know, of, uh, I don't know, British gentry or some kind of exceptionalism or, you know, or the, you know, the idea of, I don't know what, uh, like I said, kind of a, you know, a macho power fantasy in some ways that, uh, you know, of being able to go through life, uh, you know, always, you know, never missing a shot and always getting the girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the charisma of someone like Connery goes some way towards that. And again, the overall campiness of it, the fact they're keeping it light that we know, okay, we're kind of watching a comic book. So sort of I don't know, there's something about the tone that just doesn't click. Like it's not funny enough to make me laugh most of the time. Okay, we had one or two, one or two lines in here, pretty good. The one with the where he's like, I must be dreaming, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also, I don't find the action scenes particularly exciting. They're more just kind of, and eh, just kind of, just kind of sauntering through, you know, okay, we're going to, we're going to throw a punch here, but it's not like a particularly good punch. <laughs> Maybe basically I'm just easier to please when it comes to movies. Well, I mean, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Like I, I'm, I, I would hate to, you know, first of all be kind of, uh, wading through something that was, you know, a chore. I mean, it was also, it was also fun to watch it at the theater, like at the Alamo. So that was a, another element that I enjoyed. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm i struggling to, I, I almost didn't want to jump on this uh, podcast right away because I feel like I wasn't, uh, I hadn't finished processing my feelings on it to really be able to boil down my issue with uh, these movies and Goldfinger in particular, which is certainly, I would say the best of the ones we've seen so far. I definitely think it is. And I mean, I know I don't have a great memory. I mean, I remember something about fish being killed. Nope. Am I thinking about Godzilla? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) They're all mixing together. Um, And there was a cat and there was was martinis. I'm kidding. I can't remember. But all I know is initially, my initial reaction. Run together a little bit. they, They really do. But my initial reaction, like after this one, was, oh, that was enjoyable. That was good. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So it, there's, like I said, there's enough, there's enough things in this one that stand out to maybe put it above some of the other ones so far. So, how many star? Oh, wait, it's not stars. How many? What are we going to use for a rating? I could have sworn you suggested something in the theater. Did you not? Did I not? Ducks? I'm kidding. <laughs> gold bars, gold fingers. Just kidding. I know that it's not actually gold fingers. You know what? Fine. However, um, talking about gold fingers, I for a second when I saw that the girl was gold, I was like, oh, he can touch people and they turn to gold. That's his. That's his thing. And I was like, no. <laughs> he's he's King Midas. Yes, I was thinking that, and I was like. Wait, that doesn't add up. This don't add up, sis. So what do we want to say? Gold bars? How about uh, about deadly hats? Deadly hats. I like that. Hmm, Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, You go first because I'm still thinking about whether or not you've swayed me to add half a hat. Wow. Um, hmm. I think I'm going to go with five hats. I'm sorry. I meant to say four. I'm going to go with four hats. 
Yep, four hats. Four hats. All right, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. Solid, enjoyable movie. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Okay. Well, I gave Doctor No a uh, a three and a half when I reviewed it. I, <laughs> I was like, I, how do you? I feel like I can't very well give this less. So three and a half hats for being one of the more memorable early Bond outings. Yay! And because it has odd job, because because your video game. That's right. Well, and again, it also has potentially. I think somebody said they. I don't know if it was like a magazine poll or something where they um, uh, fans ranked. No, I expect you to die as the greatest quote in the Bond series. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know if that. I don't know if that says a lot, but there you go. And we can't forget the theme song. No, actually, well, that's another one. People, you know, there's uh, everybody wants to talk about the different Bond songs. There's always a theme song. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of this one? Gold figure. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. It was fun. And then all the um like the opening credits with um the women and like their gold um, <laughs> What was that about? Yeah, they always have the little horn <laughs> gold finger. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how it sounded. Yeah, there you go. But um yeah, I I thought that was that was pretty neat. It's pretty neat. They always do something. Well, almost always they they usually do something with the either either silhouettes or like mm-hmm. forms of like the women. And so they, this one they have like them like kind of projected onto them. Like scenes from the movie were like projected yeah, onto like on the, the backs or shoulders or something of the women mm-hmm. of the gold women. What to <laughs> <laughs> do? Uh, what is it to? Can't remember the I can't remember the Conan quote Conan, Bar- Conan Barbarian, the crusher enemy to see him driven before you and to hear the lamentations of the women. <laughs> Is that what it was? <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. I thought there was something else I was going to say. Oh, oh, uh, coming back to Connery. Mm-hmm. So again, we watch this in have to end in on. memory of of him. What is your what is your favorite Connery performance that you've that you've seen? I want you to admit this on air. <laughs> <laughs> the Leo of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> I'm horrible. I can't help it. I enjoyed that movie. And I enjoyed Sean Connery in that movie. I've probably seen it. I don't know how many times. Oh, a bunch of times. I probably have. I mean, at least. Well, I mean, I say a bunch, but like probably three. I don't know. I think it might get more hate than it deserves, but to be fair, I haven't seen it in a long time. Hey, we should watch that. I think we had it on DVD. Well, we talked about possibly doing a Connery double feature where we would watch your That's favorite Connery movie followed by one of mine. But Or, we, you know, I, I wanted to watch some of the ones we haven't seen because I've never seen Hunt for Red October. I've never seen... I've never seen that. Some of the other ones that he's known for outside of Bond. But it's it's so funny because... The it's a it's a well known bit of trivia that Connery passed on several major blockbusters. For example, he was courted for The Matrix. I think they wanted him to be Neo, or not, not Neo, not um, Morpheus, maybe Morpheus. Okay, um, and he, really? he passed on that. He didn't understand the script, and then he also, didn't understand the script. Yeah, you know what it was about. And then I think he also passed on Lord of the Rings. I think he was possibly. Wow. 
they thought wanted him for a Gandalf or something. Uh, I don't know if I could see him as that. I'm not saying that he would have been a better Gandalf. I'm just saying I think he, you know, he had maybe the opportunity to be mm-hmm. in that in that franchise. And he was like, I don't know, what, I don't know what the heck a Hobbit is. Uh, but he ended <laughs> That's up. That's so great. But he did League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, because he knows he passed what, on those movies. And he he did, knows you know, what like, vampires and talking about picking um, your, your material. Jekyll and Hyde. He knows what all of that is. That's mm-hmm. great. No, I mean, I that was. I mean, and I forgot that he was in Indiana Jones. Yeah, as the father. Yeah, that's that's a lot of and people's that's a, that's a good one. favorite for I do like that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, now watching the Bond movies, I I really did enjoy him being Bond, and he's my favorite Bond now. I just I think it's interesting because the role really doesn't ask him to act a whole lot. Mm-mm. He mostly has to look poised. <laughs> it's and like his facial, his give bedroom smile. eyes to yes. women. And his little smirk, I don't know. But he does, I think, I don't know, I don't know, maybe I'd have to go back and think about this more specifically, because I don't think about these movies as being actors' movies, right? They're more about the set pieces and the locations and all the other stuff that goes around it. Uh, He, I feel like he was doing more than he necessarily had to in this. Like, he was definitely giving some, he was definitely giving some color to that character and to some of those scenes, like just like in small things that he would do. Uh, just looks that he would give mm-hmm. um, that maybe went uh, beyond what he necessarily had to do by just being the strong man, you know, the who's in imperturbable. Mm-hmm. So uh, I did appreciate that. And it, it's impossible to it's impossible to know how it would have been growing up with this. Like if you were a person who, you know, uh, you were first introduced to these movies and Connery was a big thing. It was a heartthrob, uh, you know, because again, uh, I feel like my generation grew up on Brosnan and like that was like our first uh, introduction to the character. But going back now, it's definitely these movies are a product of their time in both good and bad ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, Connery was right there. He made it work. I still want to know who out there also enjoys League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Text me, friends, and let me know if you've watched it and if you like it. I just need to know. Email us. Email us at podcast at scenesfromamarriage.com. That's podcast at scenesfromamarriage.com. <laughs> Text me at my number that you already know if you're my friend. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, hope you enjoyed hanging out with us, celebrating the Goldfinger, Sean Connery. <laughs> Once again, we really appreciate all the support. Everybody who said they would, uh, they would listen in. And so, mm-hmm. if you have a second and you feel like giving us a star rating and or a review on Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate that. Thank Just you, loyal friends. Reach a few more listeners. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, we're just happy that you're listening. So, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And. That's it for now. So uh, I don't, who knows what marathon we will intend to start and then completely abandon next. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on. 